Hello, Deacon Allen here again, and we are going to be going through our exercises for Unit 13, the last unit of our Latin 1 class. I do uh, want to encourage you to continue on with Latin 2, and then after that, Latin 3, um, both of which are being taught by uh, Dr. James May, a retired uh, professor of classics uh, at uh, St. Olaf College in Northfield, Minnesota. A wonderful teacher, uh, has forgotten more about Latin than I will ever know. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I certainly encourage you to pick that up. His Latin 2 has been running concurrently with our Latin 1, so uh, if you pick it up at this point, you'll be picking up the recordings, but still, uh, you can continue forward. Latin 3 will start up after Easter. Um, do wanted to uh, address uh, I, one of uh, members of our class had uh, posed a question for me, and I, I did uh, address it in, in uh, privately in an email, but I wanted to uh, uh, bring it up here too. The question was regarding um, declensions and uh, verb conjugations and uh, um, always keep in mind occasionally you know all of us will misspeak when we have a clear idea in our head but misspeak uh, uh, and I do that myself uh, declensions are a feature of nouns and adjectives okay Conjugations are a feature of verbs. Now, where they cross over is uh, in participles, which function or can function like adjectives. And so, for example, the fourth principal part of most of our verbs um, will have a, uh, um, a participle form that is an adjective uh, if you're using it that way. And we do the same thing in English. You know, for example, we might use a present participle or a past participle as an adjective. Say, for example, uh, you're talking about the singing bird. You know, singing is a participle coming off the verb to sing, but we're treating it like an adjective there because it's modifying the noun verb. Or, for example, uh, um, a lawyer might refer to learned counsel for the defense. Well, learned, there's a past participle of the verb to learn, but we're using it as an adjective uh, to modify counsel, right? So um, those participles will have declensions. They will decline in the first or second declension. Um, uh, some of them, some of them will decline in the third declension. Uh, the, um, whereas, uh, 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 verbs are generally conjugated, and actually, to get to the uh, the participle form, you'll conjugate from a from a, a root, as we've already you know gone through that. Um, so, rule of thumb: you know, declensions are a feature of nouns and their adjectives, which includes those adjectives that derive from verbs, um, and uh, uh, and conjugation is a feature of verbs. Also, there's a, an, an, this uh, uh, member of our class also posed a question about, you know, from learning Latin, obviously, you know, there's 
so much uh, to learn and life gets in the way and you know what's more important to focus on vocabulary or perfecting grammar um, and um, uh, my response on that is I think grammar is more important to nail down than vocabulary vocabulary is gonna come you can always pick up vocabulary but it is really hard to backfill grammar if your grasp of it is spotty uh, so take this opportunity to nail down your grammar. If you know your grammar, then any new words you encounter will fit neatly into place. You'll come across a verb and you'll say, oh, well, this is a fourth conjugation verb. I know how to, you know, conjugate it in all its forms. Um, or, uh, you know, you come across a new noun and you think, oh, oh, this is a second declension neuter noun. And then you know how to conjugate it. Occasionally you are... There, I did it again. I did it myself there. I misspoke. Do you know how to decline it? Um, sometimes you may be surprised because there are some odd nouns that don't quite fit one of the declensions. Um, uh, uh, or some things might throw you. You think it's a, a, you know, a, a second declension masculine noun, and then you find out that it's fourth declension, you know, okay, right, well, you haven't learned the fourth declension yet, but, but, uh, so, you know, but if you, if you know the grammar, then you come across a new word, you can fit it in place. If you don't know the grammar, um, it's a lot harder, and, and it's just, I think it's just easier up front, you know, get the good habits early, that's why I always encourage people when they're learning vocabulary, learn it with the macrons, even though you won't see it written that way, because that's going to be um, uh, how, uh, especially with the first, with a second and third uh, conjugation verbs, that's, uh, it's very important. Um, but then also, uh, um, you know, it, it will uh, affect how a word is pronounced in terms of where the emphasis is and so forth. So um, I would say focus on grammar. Collins focuses on verbs first. I mean, he gives you the first two declensions of, of nouns and adjectives. Uh, and then he just nails down all of the tenses of the, uh, um, of the indicative active and the indicative passive um, right up front. So you really have a good framework to put your words. Um, we might, as English speakers, get confused and think, well, but Latin word order doesn't seem to matter much, so isn't their uh, grammar kind of flexible? No, the grammar isn't flexible. The word order is, but the grammar isn't. If something is going to be in the third person singular, singular, present indicative active, that's very specific, okay? That verb could go any number of places in the sentence with some differences in, uh, in emphasis, if not in meaning. Um, but uh, the grammar isn't flexible, although the word order very much is. Now in English, it tends to be the same thing because English has very, is not an inflected language. And so we have a very strict uh, word order, generally speaking. Um, so I think uh, we might get you know, confused on that, but I would say focus on your grammar, nail the stuff down, um, you know, we, uh, uh, um, 
uh, write out all your verbs in their different forms, just even though obviously you can find that stuff in a book like uh, I've recommended the 501 Latin verbs, you can find them all written out for you. You think, well, well, then why should I reduplicate the effort? There's something about actually taking pen to paper and writing something down that I find for me, it helps nail it more securely into my consciousness. Um, so uh, anyway, that I, I, I strongly recommend that with every new noun you learn, every new verb you learn, just, you know, uh, do the, the full write-up of it um, uh, uh, so that you, uh, you've, you know, entered into, entered into the language in that way. All right. Well, let's get on then to the exercises. All right. So, um, well, the drills are found on page uh, 108 of our textbook. Um, but, you know, as in the past, we'll, we'll skip that because I'm assuming that you've done them and more than them, uh, because I think they're, they're very, uh, very helpful exercise. Um, all right, but turning on to the exercises uh, um, on page uh, page one hundred nine and, uh, and one ten. Um, now, uh, I if you were looking at these, you probably noticed that some of these sentences, in particular, I'm thinking like number one, certainly eight, twelve, fourteen, and. 25 contain ablative absolutes, which was the big grammatical thing that we covered in unit 13. Um, these constructions, as you note, are, 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 are extremely flexible in meaning and require a larger context in order to interpret them. So when we're translating from just a single sentence, there are a number of ways you can translate it. Um, so uh, let's look at number one. Hymno dicto. Apostoli domum reliquerunt, right? Um, hymno dicto. Um, well, we could say with the hymn having been said, right? Or we could say when the hymn was said, or since the hymn was said, or although the hymn was said, or even, I suppose, if the hymn was said, right? So, I mean, a number of ways. So we, we judge from context, and obviously when you have a single sentence, you don't really have any context. So, um, you know, since the latter half would be the apostles left the house, um, you know, uh, I think that when the hymn was said or with the hymn having been said, you know, uh, make better sense than although the hymn was said, right? Okay. Um, let's, uh, uh, let's do the odd numbered ones um, at this point, okay? Um, although maybe, Maybe we should look at the other uh, ablative absolute ones as we come, come along. We'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. So let's look at number three. Tunc Galilei a Romanis sepe despecti sunt, coniam deos Romanorum non adorabant. All right. Tunc, at that time, right? Galilei a Romanis sepe despecti sunt. Galilei, the Galileans, 
a Romani by the Romans, sepe often, despectisunt, were despised. So at that time, the Galileans were often despised by the Romans. Quoniam, we could use other words, but quoniam, because, for the reason that, uh, Deus Romanorum, the gods of the Romans, and note that that's in, Deus is in the accusative, so uh, non adoravant, they, they did not worship the gods of the Romans. Okay. Oh, five, nice and short. Dum operat orabat. <laughs> this is kind of a, a, a take on the Benedictine model that uh, that uh, work is prayer, okay? Um, and incidentally, that's also, it's a Benedictine model, but it's something that, that uh, St. Teresa of Lisieux, who is a Carmelite, what she stressed very much was the idea that even the littlest thing you do can be offered as a prayer. So uh, when she would cross a threshold into a new room, she would offer that as a prayer. And there's another Carmelite classic. Uh, we're in Lent, and if you wanted to find, if you're looking for a holy uh, spiritual reading, um, something uh, actually pretty uh, accessible and short, um, uh, there's a, 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 I think he's 17th century Carmelite named Brother Lawrence. And his book is called The Practice of the Presence of God. And Brother Lawrence spent his whole life... Sorry for that brief interruption. So back to Brother Lawrence. He spent his life as a Carmelite monk uh, um, pretty much the whole time in the monastery. He was working in the kitchen uh, <laughs> washing dishes uh, for this, uh, and and he would talk about you know washing dishes as 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 a prayerful activity for him, um, and he him would compose a prayer about the Lord of pots and pans. So anyway, um, the practice of the presence of God. I, I, so when we look at uh, work being prayer, um, there's a really rich spirituality. Uh, to that. So anyway, uh, so we have our little sentence here, dum operat orabat, right? Uh, while he worked, he was praying. Okay, that dum, that, you know, uh, 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 look at the vocabulary note on, on page 107. So that would be, you know, just flip one page back, and you'll see that, uh, that uh, with dum, it, when it means uh, while, we'll often use the present, uh, even if the main clause was in the past tense. Okay, that's why uh, we use the present uh, tense here in this in this case. All right. All right. So then let's move on to number seven. Petrus, populo mira domini dicet. Donec Paulus advenerit. Um, Petrus populo mira domini dicet. Peter will tell, dicet, right? Um, mira, the wonders, the wonderful things, domini of the Lord, populo, to the people. 
um, Donec until Paulus advenerit, until Paul will have arrived, which we can also say arrives in that, in that, uh, in, in English we might say arrives, uh, uh, using, using what looks like a present tense as actually a future tense, right? Um, because of the word un until in there. All right, number nine. Well, oh, let's look at number eight because that one's got an, uh, an ablative absolute in it. Stella in cello visa, viri ex agris venerunt atque adoraberunt natum Jesum. Okay. Um, Stella in cello visa. Okay, that's all an ablative absolute so um with the star having been seen in the sky i mean that's kind of a uh, an odd construction in english but um um but that's fairly literal here um viri the men ex agris came from the fields or from the countryside because it's plural um ex agris venerunt right viri ex agris venerunt the, the men came from the countryside or from the fields atque and also or and but that is kind of a that's one of the many ways of saying uh, and in Latin, but we've got here kind of doubled up at and que. Um, uh, so it's kind of an and also kind of meaning here. And and also adraverunt natum Jesum. And also uh, worshipped, adored the child Jesus. The, the, the natum in the sense here that, you know, uh, the newborn uh, Jesus. Okay. All right, um, number nine. Ut Jesus circumspexit, viri erant, mesti et non unum verbum dixerunt, shiverunt enim quod Jesus vera dixerat. Ut Jesus circumspexit, as Jesus looked around. Um, Viri erat mesti. The men were sad. Et non unum verbum dixerunt, and said not one word. Shiverunt enim, for they knew. Quod Jesus vera dixerat. For they knew that Jesus had said the truth. It's probably a reference to the woman taken in adultery scene in John chapter 8. Okay, moving on to number 11. Ubi angelus domini visus erit, tuba victoriae superuniversam teram audietur. So when the angel of the Lord will have been seen or is seen, right, um, it has that, that future meaning, although in English we might use is seen, right? Um, 
ubi angelis, angelus uh, domini visus erit. Tuba victoriae, the trumpet of victory, super universum terum audietur, uh, uh, will be heard over all the earth. Number 13. Etsi es parvulus puer in domo restat. Etsi es parvulus, although he is little, he, because obviously we have uh, a masculine parvulus, and of course our subject is puer, boy. Um, the boy stays restat in domo, at home or in the house. Okay. Number 15. Maria primum natum peperit advocatus is Jesus. Mary uh, bore, or gave birth to, uh, but bore a first child. Advocatus as Jesus, and he was called Jesus. Um, note about, uh, about that word firstborn. Uh, sometimes you'll hear, uh, Protestants claim that, uh, uh, who deny the perpetual virginity of Christ, that firstborn implies that there were others. Well, <laughs> afterwards, um, uh, but that's not the case in, in, in Jewish law, uh, the law of Moses, the firstborn son had a special role, not necessarily amongst his brothers, which was certainly the case. He was do a double portion of the inheritance uh, under the law of Moses. Uh, so if you had four sons, the inheritance would be divided five ways and the firstborn son would get two <laughs> and to everyone else's one. Um, but uh, but it was it was specifically about you know the firstborn uh, and the reference was to the the redemption of from slavery in Egypt and how uh, in the Passover story you know the angel of the Lord strikes the firstborn of the Egyptians and so Israel is then treated as the firstborn you know kind of replaced by you know substitute for them. Um, redeemed. And so each firstborn son had to be redeemed. And even today, uh, Orthodox Jews will redeem their firstborn son by calling, you know, a, a, uh, to a, uh, um, to their bris, they'll have a Cohen, uh, who is a, a priest, a descendant of Aaron, and they will pay him five silver dollars representing the, 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 the shekels of silver that were obligated to be paid, uh, uh, to redeem the boy. So um, Jesus was Mary's firstborn son, uh, but it does not imply in any way uh, that there were others. And of course, the church teaches the perpetual virginity of, of, of Mary. Um, and we could talk about that at some other time, but we want to get moving here. All right. Uh, number 17, Ubi Judei Digitum Dei in Celis Spexerunt, Leti potentia misericordiamque laudaverunt. Okay. Uh, when the Jews looked at the finger of God in the heavens, ubi judei, digitum dei in celis right? Uh, 
joyful they praised his power and mercy. Okay, Leiti, referring to Eudei, potentia misericordiamque, that's that que as a structure, uh, construction for and, uh, when you have a list, um, uh, lauda verunt, so uh, they praised, uh, they praised his, uh, his power and mercy. Um, 19, natura immutata est nostra, ut filius incarnatus est. Um, was our nature transformed okay uh, ut filius incarnatus est when the son was made incarnate uh, 21 postquam vir malus aurum condidit et dextram petri in silencio astitit after the wicked man hid the gold, posquandir malus, aurum condidit, ad adexteram petri in silencio astitit. Uh, he stood in silence at the right hand of Peter. I suppose this is a reference to Acts chapter 5 and the whole Ananias uh, uh, case. All right, which I'm sure you all remember. All right, moving on to number 23. Romani qui circumstaterant puero instabant. The Romans, who had been standing around, were threatening the boy. Mm -hmm. Oh, here's another one of those ablative absolutes. Christi, uh, number 25. Christianis ubique inventis, Paulus bene satiatus, in domo petri cum gaudio restabat. With Christians having been found everywhere, okay, there's a good uh, awkward English, but there you have it, Christianis ubique inventus. Paulus, Paul, bene satiatus, uh, well satisfied, um, uh, in domo Petri, in the house of Peter, restabat gaudio. Uh, or Gaudio Restabat, uh, um, remained with joy. All right. And number 27. Et traditus est Jesus, et traditus est Jesu liber profete. Um, et traditus est Jesu. You think, oh, Jesus is our subject. No, it isn't. No, because that would be Jesus. Uh, um, the liber, the book, is our subject. So, and the book of the prophet was handed over to Jesus. All right. Uh, this is probably a reference to his uh, appearance in the uh, in the synagogue in Capernaum, where he first read from the scroll of Isaiah. All right. Moving on to uh, the uh, section uh, two of our exercises on unit. Uh, on page 110, number one, after the supper had been prepared, and you can, and we're told to translate that in two ways, Peter permitted the new disciple to stand in at the right hand of God. So one of the ways we could do that is uh, obviously just straightforward, postquam cena preparata erat, right? But this is Latin. Let's use an absolute, uh, ab, uh, ablative absolute. How about cena preparata? 
Cena Peperata. Um, and then we can go on to Petrus Novo Discipulo Astare Ad Dexteram Pauli Permisit. Okay. Number two, the people who had been instructed by means of the saving precepts of Christ were able to pray to God who rules the universe. Populus, qui salutiferis Christi preceptis monitus erat, kind of a mouthful, but I think that gets all those pieces there, poterat orare deum, qui universum regna. Just break it all down into its independent clauses and put it together. Okay? Number three. When Paul will have arrived at the house, he will be seen by Peter the Galilean. So let's use cum. Cum Paulus ad domum ad venerit. A Pedro, by Peter, Galileo, because we have to agree in gender, number, and case with our adjective, vide vitur. So we're using a passive verb, right? Okay, and then number four, finally. After the apostle healed the second boy, postquam apostolos puerum secundum sanavit, I suppose we could use an ablative absolute here if we wanted, um, uh, um, puero secundo apostolo sanavit, um, uh, or uh, puero secundo sa, uh, uh, sanato uh, apostolo uh, by the apostle. Um, servus laudare misericordiam dei non desit. Very good. Well, we have done an awful lot here. We have gone through uh, Latin, and uh, you have been very attentive. This has been uh, a really, uh, uh, I've, I've enjoyed teaching you, uh, even though I haven't seen your smiling faces. Uh, and uh, we've covered a lot of material. Um, you know, if you need to take a break, super, but I do encourage you to uh, to go on and, and uh, move on to Latin uh, 2. Um, obviously, feel free to, you know, go back and listen to other lessons. Um, if you have any questions for me, even going forward months down the road, you have my email, Alan N, all one word, A-L-L-E-N-N, at uh, archspm.org, so Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, archspm.org. Um, and I'll try to answer your questions uh, if I can. Um, Dr. May is, as I say, brilliant and, uh, and will be great for you as you move on to Latin too. And finally, um, if this has been helpful and you've made it this far, I hope that it has been, um, you know, we don't, uh, uh, we haven't been charging anything, obviously, other, you know, you just, you buy the book on your own and you go ahead at your own pace. Uh, but it would be helpful, obviously, to the parish if, you know, you would make some sort of donation to the parish. Uh, uh, that would be super. Then we'd be able to do more things like this um, uh, in the future. Uh, right. Very good. God bless you. I uh, hope that uh, you have a continue with a to have a, a holy Lent uh, and grow in the knowledge and love of Christ and His Church, um, and uh, this beautiful language, Latin, that is the Church's liturgical language, and uh, um, 
the language of, it really connects us so much with our history as Catholics, our, our uh, um, a, a deepened understanding of our liturgy. Um, and uh, uh, and uh, you will find, if you get through this class in Latin 2, and Latin, even in, in Latin three, you'll find that you'll be able to read most things, uh, uh, you know, with a dictionary in hand, perhaps. Um, but uh, uh, you've come a long way. So congratulations and uh, God bless you.